There we see is that Elijah and Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Elijah was well respected. So was Moses. And when now James uses this illustration or this example of Elijah, it was to show to his audience that he was not an extraordinary man, but just a man like all of us. And you need to bear in mind that he was held in high regard. In fact, some of the stories that were told that are not recorded in the scriptures that were circulating at the time is that some actually believed that Elijah was not a mere man, was not a mortal man like us. And now as, as James is writing there, he wants us to see that Elijah was a human being like us. He was very much like us. And therefore, the power in his prayer life can be yours. Can be ours. And as we consider this, this, this example of Elijah, as I'm calling it, illustrative proof of effective prayer, we should learn the principles that characterize the life of Elijah and apply them in our own prayer lives. We can learn this so that we too may become effective in prayer or more effective in prayer. And not just at an individual level, but also corporately as a church. This example will help us to maintain this effectiveness when it comes to pray. But it must also be an encouragement that God does answer the prayers of mere human beings who've put their trust in him and depend on him. So let's open up those verses and draw lessons for ourselves this afternoon. The first thing I'd like us to see is that effective prayer is in accordance with God's word. Effective prayer is in accordance with God's word. And this is in really in those words you'll be seeing where it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Now we're all familiar with the prophet Elijah and the power he had through God. And when James is writing about him as giving him as an example, he stresses his humanity. And he says Elijah was a man like us, or Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. James disarms this, this natural reaction when we read the account of Elijah to think that he was a superhuman being, that he was extraordinary. And Eli James wants us to see that he 
was a man like all of us. If he wanted, James would have said Elijah was a prophet of God. And James doesn't call him that. He doesn't want to emphasize his special relationship Elijah had with regard to his prophetic or his, his office of a prophet. He calls him a man with a nature like ours. And the adjectives that, that are used there, a man with a nature like ours, elsewhere in the Bible, rather in the New Testament, are only used in Acts chapter 14 and verse 15. And the account in Acts chapter 14 and verse 15, when Paul is at Elystria and God is working through them, the people of the town began to look at the, these missionaries, these messengers of God, as if they were extraordinary human beings. And the Apostle Paul cries out to them and says, We are men with a nature like yours. Acts chapter 14. So it's Paul and Barnabas at, at least here. And, and I'll just read verse 15 of Acts chapter 14. Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. That, that adjective men of like nature with you. Both in Acts and in the book of James, the emphasis is that whatever it is that God was doing through these men or through Elijah is not because of their extraordinariness. It's not because that they were superhuman beings. These were human beings who trusted a mighty God. And James is writing to us that Elijah, though mighty, though a great servant, although held in high regard, was a man with a nature like ours who trusted in the almighty God. And immediately as James writes to us, what comes to mind is that he was liable to be afflicted in the same way we get afflicted. He went through the same trials, the same temptations as we do. He dealt with the same infirmities, struggles as we do. But he prayed. And God, in response to his prayer, did that which 
he put before this God. But I want us not to miss the fact that his effective prayer was in accordance with God's word. When Elijah prayed for it, for it not to rain, it was because of Israel's rebellion, and most likely he must have been reading God's word. When you read in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16 and verse 17, the Lord had said to the nation of Israel, that take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and save other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and that the land will, not he will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. Now, this is what God had said to them. When you settle in the land that I'm giving you, don't rebel against me. And Elijah must have been meditating on God's word. And as he saw what was prevailing in the land, the rebellion of the nation of Israel, the idolatry in which had plunged themselves in. He remembered God's word. And he pleaded with God that if it will take God withholding the reins in order to bring his people back to himself, let it be done according to his word. Most likely Elijah, after studying God's word, he pleaded with God on the merits of his word. Effective prayer is not about getting our will done on earth, but it's getting God's will to be done on earth. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6. This is what he says. When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this must have prompted the prophet Elijah as he was reading God's word. He must have paused and pleaded with the Lord, Lord, let your will be done on earth. And God in his response to Israel, in his covenant with Israel, God repeatedly promised to withhold the reins if Israel practiced idolatry. So that there is no food being produced and they perish quickly. And for us to apply this, 
is that effective prayer is according to God's word. If we are not students of God's word, how will we pray according to his will? When we are reading the scriptures and see what God is saying in his word, God's promises fulfilled in Christ, we can take him at his word and the God who sent his beloved son Jesus Christ, the God who's offered us salvation in Christ, the God who's given us his word, he will respond to his word. He will. Therefore, we should pray according to God's will, to God's word. And if we are lazy students of the word, we will not be effective in our prayers. Elijah studied the word, knew the word, and he prayed according to God's word. And when we are reading God's word and we come to, to a portion of scripture that challenges us to, to either pray for our leaders, to pray for the healing of the land, to pray for the salvation of our loved ones, we can plead on the basis of what we are reading and cry out to this God, Lord, this is what you've said in your word. Lord, do as you've said in your word and glorify yourself and let us know that your word is active and living. And we must know the word. Our prayer life must not be at the expense of our studying of the scriptures nor should the studying of the scriptures be at the expense of our prayer lives. And oftentimes, especially in our circles as Reformed Baptists, we delight in reading the scriptures, books on the scriptures, theological books, and our prayer lives are dying. And even when it's time for prayer meetings, it's, it, we see the results of that. Our knowledge of the scriptures is almost excellent. Our prayer lives almost zero. And also, for those of you who have been students before and have the privilege to be at university or college and living in campus, 
when there's a prayer meeting, whether it's at 04 or 05, the last people to attend those prayer meetings are Reformed Baptists. I recall, I don't know if, 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 if my dear friend Graham will, will remember, I visited him when I was at CBU. And then they were going for prayer meetings at 05. I said, man, I've come to visit you, not to go to pray. But even him, by the time I was getting there, there were already some people gathered. But ever since I've been thinking to myself, so what was wrong with me going to pray? But it, it was five in the morning. I was visiting him for a weekend after work. It was a breather. But the point is, anyone who's been a student can agree with me. Our friends, the Pentecostals, they, they are on the other side. When it's prayer time, they are there. Whatever time. Then we are on the other side. When it's Bible study, whatever time, we are there. But clearly we see from the scriptures, if we are going to be effective in our prayer lives, we must study God's word. And if we're going to be good students of God's word, we must be effective in our prayers. That's why the, the early apostles would say, would not give up the word and prayer. They gave the priority. They say, we'd rather give up everything else, but not the study of the word and not our prayers to God. Because they knew the two go together. And even here we see that effective prayer must be in accord with God's word. And James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And when you read his account in 1 Kings, you actually see that yes, he was a man, he had his own fears, but he knew God's word. He understood God's word, and he took God on his word. But secondly, we see that effective prayer is offered in faith. To God. Effective prayer is offered in faith to God. The last part of verse 17. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Effective prayers it should not be thoughtless. There must be heartfelt prayers offered in faith to God. And when you read that statement, it might, it, it, it might appear to be simple that he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and it did not rain. Elijah was praying for something that none of us have control over. He was praying that it may not rain. And he prayed fervently. 
And it literally means in the original that he prayed in his prayers. Or that with prayer he prayed. That's what James is actually saying there. The, the words that James uses there represent this intensity and this passion that Elijah had to pray to God. He was determined and truly concerned that when he prayed, he knew what God had said in his word. And he went with this passion, with this intensity, and in his prayers, he prayed to God. It points to the inner attitude of Elijah. A man by the name of Warren Weisby says this about the church. He says, rather wrote this about the church. Many people do not pray in their prayers. They just lazily say religious words and their hearts are not in their prayers. Much of our prayer is not effective simply because it's not fervent. It's not intense. There's no passion. We, we offer lukewarm prayers to God and we're basically asking God to care about something that we don't care about ourselves. We are pleading with God to do something that we ourselves are not passionate about. We are pleading with the sovereign God to attend to the prayers that mean nothing to us. And as far as we've uttered some religious words, we are assuming that God in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, he will convey those words and respond to our request. The picture that Elijah, rather James, gives us here is that here is something that mattered to Elijah. The glory of God, the worship of God. And as he went before God, Knowing what God has said in the scriptures, he pleaded even for something as impossible as withholding the reins from the human point of view. Because this was something that really got to him. And it just didn't get to him. The glory of God, the worship of God was at stake. And as he read the scriptures, he went before God with passion, with, with fervence, and he prayed and prayed and prayed. And he trusted God to respond to him. Effective prayer must not be lukewarm. Effective prayer is not simply being emotional or emotionally trying to persuade the reluctant God. 
effective prayer offered to God in faith is a prayer that means something to you that has the glory of God at the center, the worship of God. And as you pray to this God who's concerned about his worship, who's concerned about his glory, he will respond. And we see such examples of prayers in the scriptures. You remember that that godly woman, Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she passionately went to the temple and prayed for a son to the point that the priest Eli thought she was drunk. She was so consumed with her prayers she knew that children are a gift from God. And she went to this God and took this God by his word. And she fervently, passionately prayed. And the Lord answered and gave her a son. And in response, she dedicated that son, that son to the service of God. And remember Samuel, who became, who was a prophet and the last judge of Israel. But the greatest example we have of this is the example of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are told in Luke 22 that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so intensely that his sweat became like drops of blood. And to get an insight of what was just going as the, as the Lord was praying, when you read in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, in Hebrews 5 and verse 7, the scriptures say to us, in the days of his flesh, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. The Lord Jesus Christ pleaded that if, if it is the Father's will, let this cup pass away from him. And when the Father made it clear that this cup he must drink, he fervently prayed that is the will of his Father be done. Prayers that mean something to us, but above all, that have the glory of God, the worship of God, as we come and offer them to God in faith, 
our God listens. And God does not demand perfection on our part. He demands that we have faith in him. That we establish that he has the ability, the capacity, the power to do as he has said in his word. And therefore, we pray to him. There are a lot of, there are many circumstances that we face in life, we will face in this life, where we have no control or ability to control. We have no power to influence the outcome. But we have a God who, who knows the, the outcome. And when we pray to him, we must believe and trust that he will work in this situation. And therefore, we cannot claim to our faith if we don't know this God. And this God has revealed himself as a God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A God who is relational. We can get to know him in his Son, Jesus Christ. And a God who has accepted the offer that his Son gave to him on the cross and is given us a spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And God the Holy Spirit lives in us to help us in those moments when we don't even know what to say to this God. And we must seek to grow in our understanding of this God, in our understanding of, this, of His Word. But when we pray in faith, it's not a blind faith. It's not a blind wish. We are taking God at his word. And we are praying for something that means a lot to us. And as we do so, we know that by us having that thing, we will result in the glory of God, in the worship of God, and not simply in the glory of self. And in the third place, we see that effective prayer should be persistent. It's persistent. It's not just persistent, it is also specific. Verse 18, Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. He was persistent, 
He was specific. When you, when you read in 1 Kings chapter 18, from verse 40 to 44, there we see that Elijah was persistent in his prayers, but he was also specific. In 1 Kings, we are told that he prayed seven times at different times. Seven times until there was a cloud forming and it was clear that it was going to rain. James doesn't go in details to tell us about that, but when you read in First Kings, you see he told Ahab it will not rain and it did not rain. And for three years, in fact, James says three years and six months, there was no rain on the land. No food in the land. And now when there was repentance in Israel and the glory of God was at the center, the worship of God was at the center, God was receiving the honor and the glory from his covenant nation. Elijah went back to God's word and he was specific about his prayer, and he was persistent in his prayer, and he prayed that it should rain. God, your people have turned away from their, from their idol worship. You've said that if they follow you, if they obey you, if they do that which is pleasing in your sight, you will bless the land. Lord, you've withheld the rains. Let it rain. Lord, honor your word. Respond to the persistent prayers of your servant. Let it rain. He was persistent. He was specific. He did not just offer broad, general requests. He prayed for judgment, the Lord heard. He prayed for blessings, the Lord heard. And we must be a people that are persistent and specific in our requests. The example that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in Luke 18 about the, the persistent widow. She was persistent and specific in her request. She wanted justice. And she continued going to this, this judge, this unjust judge, pleading that she be granted justice. She was specific. She was persistent. But we, we don't go before an earthly judge. We go before the judge of the universe. And as we go before him, we offer specific prayers to him. And if something means a lot to us, 
If it's something that is honorable in the sight of God, if it's something that God has said you grant to those who are His, we can boldly, persistently plead before this God. And this is why we ask for prayer requests. When as brothers and sisters, we solicit for specific prayer items. What can I pray for you? I remember where someone, when I asked for prayer, <laughs> prayer items, and the person was so dogmatic in their response. He said, whatever the Lord impresses upon your heart. Now, I didn't want to tell them what the Lord was impressing upon my heart for them. We solicit for, for prayer items so that we, we can be specific. We don't want to ask amiss. And we want to Pray with you, wrestle with you in prayer for those items that you've shared. If it's for a job, we want to pray with you. If it's for marriage, we want to pray with you. If it's for exams, we want to pray with you. If it's for the salvation of your loved ones, your siblings, your children, we want to uphold them before God and to pray with you, knowing that God has promised that you respond to us when we pray for the salvation of the nations. The Lord will hear us. A story is told. I don't know whether it's a true story, but it, it, I think it drives the point about this issue of being uh, too general with our, our requests. A story is told that here was a brother during the prayer meetings. He would always pray that, no, no, Lord, we are sinful human beings. Our hearts are full of cobwebs. And we can't do the things you want us to do. So one brother noticed that this was a, a, a frequent prayer, a prayer rather. So one day the brother just said, you see, Lord, the brother has been praying for the cobwebs in his life. Seems they're not answering. Why can't you just kill the spider that brings the cobwebs? So there will be no cobwebs in his heart. And we can be like that. We are going around. And sometimes we tend to think that's humility. We, you are looking for a job. And as good Baptists, you say, look, I'm looking for means of survival. One of the means is you can actually beg. But in, you're actually looking for a job. Just say you're looking for a job. It's something that the Lord has ordained. Work, then eat. And we must be specific. And we see there, Elijah prayed that it should not rain. It did not rain. He prayed that it should rain. And seven times we're told in First Kings, he pleaded 
with the Lord, and the Lord heard his prayers. When you look at your prayer life, is this, is this true of you? This example of Elijah who was a man with a nature like ours. Are we praying faithfully, persistently for one another? Do we trust God to hear our prayers? Do we trust God to listen to our cries? Or is our prayer time simply a time when we express or utter religious words keeping in line with our traditions as a church. Do, do we really believe that when we pray that God should act according to his will? Do we really believe that? Because sometimes when we are asking that God respond according to your will, there's always something at the back of our minds and we've convinced ourselves that's God's will. When we pray, we must always keep in mind that we're praying to a sovereign God who does as he pleases. And when we cry that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Let's go to the scriptures. Let's get insight in what the scripture says about the will of God being done in heaven. And when we have some understanding of that, and we now come to pray with passion, with intensity, that God's will should be done. We must expect his will to be done. And we must pray that whatever your will is, give us grace to accept. It's your will that we are crying for. Not our will, but your will. Let your will be done. But we must not forget, God works all things for the good of those that love him. There will be times when you withhold the reins, as it were, to use the language of the case of the children of Israel. God may withhold some blessings for a season in your life when he sees you straying away from him. Because of his love for you, he withhold those blessings so that you may see how far you've strayed away from him. And when you are right with him, confess your sins and put your hope in Christ and you are right with him, living 
with his consciousness of him, seeking to please him in all that we do. When you pray, he will bring the blessings he withhold because he now knows that you treasure him above all things. And this is the example we see in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the will of the Father at heart. In everything he did was for the glory of his Father. That even when it was time for him to die on the cross, he still said, let your will be done. And he entrusted himself to a loving father. And he was raised on the third day. And is now ascended on high. The father of the Lord Jesus Christ is our father by the righteousness of Christ. We too can entrust ourselves to him through his beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can trust him to hear our prayers, to raise us up from whatever situation for his glory, because we love him, we trust him, and we want to save him. So when we pray, it must be in accordance with God's word. It must be offered in faith to this God. And it must be specific and persistent to this God. May the faith of Elijah be our faith even for us today. Amen.